Hello and a very friendly welcome as you join me on Search for Truth. In this new series, Brian, your Bible teacher, is looking at the Apostle Paul's letter to the believers belonging to the Church of God in Rome. The Apostle Paul's theme throughout this book, called Romans, is the defence of the Gospel. So Brian's called this series, Putting the Gospel First. And this second study is called Condemnation. So now, here's Brian. Thanks, John. When I was preparing this talk, the news headline was all about three men, two of them British, who had been condemned to death on charges of terrorism, having been convicted of fighting with the Ukrainian resistance against Russian forces. And condemnation is the theme of the first major section of the Apostle Paul's letter to the Romans. This section, themed on condemnation, stretches roughly from the middle of chapter 1 and reaches all the way until we get to the middle of chapter 3. The imagery that I once read being used to describe this section has never left me. Picture a condemned man in his cell listening to the pounding footsteps of the executioner getting closer and closer, sounding ever nearer until the cell door is flung open. Shall we listen to some of the pounding footsteps of that approaching executioner? This is chapter 1 of Romans from verse 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness. For even though they knew God, they did not honour him as God or give thanks. Therefore God gave them up to vile impurity in the lusts of their hearts, so that their bodies would be dishonoured among them. For they exchanged the truth of God for falsehood, For this reason God gave them over to degrading passions, receiving in their own persons the due penalty of their error. And just as they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a depraved mind. And although they know the ordinance of God, that those who practice such things are worthy of death, they not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. It's relentless, don't you agree? And as we move into the second chapter, there's no escape for Jew as well as Gentile. Therefore, you have no excuse, Paul continues. You foolish person, every one of you who passes judgment, for in that matter in which you judge someone else, you condemn yourself, for you who judge practice the same things. And we know that the judgment of God rightly falls upon those who practice such things. There will be tribulation and distress For every soul of mankind who does evil, for the Jew first and also for the Greek, but glory, honour and peace to everyone who does what is good, to the Jew first and also to the Greek, for there is no partiality with God. For all who have sinned without the law will also perish without the law, and all who have sinned under the law will be judged by the law. This is where it becomes totally clear that even God's chosen people of the Old Testament are far from immune to these judgments. For Paul continues, chapter 2 from verse 23 now, You who boast in the law, through your breaking the law, do you dishonour God? For the name of God is blasphemed among the Gentiles because of you, just as it is written. It's now made crystal clear that all the world is guilty. Their condemnation is deserved, Paul goes on to say. What then? Are we better than they? Not at all, for we have already charged that both Jews and Greeks are all under sin, as it is written. 
There is no righteous person, not even one. There is no one who understands. There is no one who seeks out God. They have all turned aside. Together they have become corrupt. There is no one who does good. There is not even one. At this point, the condemnation is complete and universal. It is without exception. All humanity is guilty before its holy creator God. It's here that we might imagine the handle of the cell door to turn and the door to swing open to give access to the executioner who has come at last to carry out the sentence. But instead, when the door swings open, as it were, it appears as if light suddenly streams into our darkened cell. This is what we read. Now we know that whatever the law says, it speaks to those who are under the law, so that every mouth may be closed and all the world may become accountable to God, because by the works of the law none of mankind will be justified in his sight, for through the law comes knowledge of sin. But now, apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been revealed, being witnessed by the law and the prophets. But it is the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all those who believe, for there is no distinction. Having given us the bad news first, detailing our universal and inexcusable state of condemnation as guilty sinners exposed to the righteous wrath of a holy God, suddenly hope appears. It is accessed by faith in Christ alone. This is cause for such celebration that I want to jump ahead and quote from a later verse. It's Romans 5 verse 11. Paul says, and not only this, but we also celebrate in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received the reconciliation. As the song many of us sing at Christmas time says, God and sinners reconciled. The idea behind and within this word is the idea of an exchange. Think of a typical human situation where two former friends have become alienated from each other due to some misunderstanding. If they can work through their problems and resolve them, then they exchange their enmity or hatred for peace. It's that exchange of attitude that's at the root of their reconciliation with each other. But the message of Romans is about our becoming reconciled to God. And we've been reading of the need for that in terms of the anger of a holy God that burns against the sin of our rebelliousness against him. Reconciliation, with its idea of two things being exchanged, is a big word in the Christian good news message. If I may, I would like to broaden things out at this point and say more generally that there are at least five exchanges that are involved as we try to understand first the bad news and then the good news. The good news of God's remedy for the human condition. While Paul was exposing the human condition for us, he literally talked about how we exchanged God's truth for falsehood. That's Romans 1 and verse 25. So that's the first of the exchanges that I have in mind. And it's one exchange that goes to the very root of the problem faced by all of us without distinction, as Paul says. Its effect was also made clear by Paul in the quotes we read from the first three chapters of this letter to the Romans that we're looking at. 
And that effect was to bring us, that's the whole world, under God's condemnation. That, of course, wasn't the initial condition of humanity when God created us in his image. No, we were designed for fellowship with our creator God. But when we exchanged God's truth for falsehood, then instantly the communion that we humans had known with our creator was exchanged for condemnation. The word condemnation certainly appears in the Bible text at this point, chapter 3, verse 8. More than that, it is the theme of this section of Paul's letter, and that's the reason, of course, for using it as the title of this section. Although the Apostle Paul doesn't mention the first man, Adam, by name until later, in chapter 5, the first two exchanges that we've already talked about, those of God's truth for falsehood, and communion being exchanged for our condemnation before God, both these exchanges can be traced back to the action of the first man, the first responsible head of the human race. But at the point where we imagine the door of our condemned cell bursting open, a different name was introduced, that of Jesus Christ. In another place, the Apostle Paul describes him as the last Adam, And so the glory of the gospel, preached by Paul, begins to unfold. Just as Adam stands at the head of a race of condemned humanity, so Jesus Christ now stands at the head of new humanity, being all those who are made righteous in him. Yes, this exchange of Christ being now in the place of Adam introduces us to the most glorious truth of all, and utterly central to the Christian message. And it's simply this, that our sinful standing as one belonging to Adam can be exchanged for our righteous standing as believers who belong instead to Jesus Christ. We'll see in our next study that at the cross, where Christ died bearing our guilt before a holy God, he took upon himself the legal consequences of our sin that we might receive in exchange his righteousness. That, I believe, is what Martin Luther called the Great Exchange. There we have two more exchanges, Christ for Adam and, as a result, righteousness for sin. But how does it become effective in the case of each one of us personally? Ah, well, I'll have to sign off by saying that is the result of exchange number five, the exchange of belief for unbelief. We give up all dependence on our own good works For faith alone is instrumental for all these exchanges.
thanks for that uh, talk, Brian, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. I'd like to remind you there's a transcript book of all the talks in this series, which would be helpful if you want to pursue further study. Let me remind you how you can freely receive a copy. Firstly, it's available online, and you can obtain one by downloading a copy from churchesofgod.info forward slash media. Alternatively, you can write to us and request a hard copy book be posted to you. Just ask for the title, Putting the Gospel First. And don't forget to include your own postal address so we know where to send the book. You can use email or the post, and here's our address. Search for Truth, Hayes Press, The Barn, Flaxlands, Royal Wootton Bassett, Swindon, SN48DY UK. Our email address is sft at churchesofgod.info. So, thanks so much for your company today. Next week, God willing, we have the third study in this eight part series. So, do join me if you can, same time next week. But for now, it's goodbye and very best wishes from our Bible teacher Brian, our producer David, our singers and me, John. So see you again soon, and in the meantime, we wish you God's richest blessings. Amen.